0: Good evening. Thank you very much for being here. We will continue with our discussion of Srila Jiva Goswami's Krishna Sundarba. We're on the fourth Anucheta. We're dealing at the beginning of the Krishna Sundarba with a uh, presentation by Srila Jiva Goswami of basically the third chapter of the first canto of the Srimad Bhagavatam, wherein um, the avataric descents of the Lord are presented, uh, beginning with the Purusha avatars, and this fourth Anucheta, which we'll begin with tonight, uh, deals with the Purusha manifestation of the Supreme. Identity of the forms of the first and second second Purusha. Jiva Goswami writes here, In this way, having described two domains and functions of the Purusha, Sutta now explains that his form is of one type only, exactly like his essential being, Swarup. Then he quotes the fourth verse of the third chapter. The devotional transcendentalists behold with enlightened vision that form of the Purusha, wonderful, with thousands of feet, thighs, arms, and faces, possessing thousands of heads, ears, eyes, and noses, and effulgent with thousands of crowns, garments, and earrings. And I wanted to begin with uh, Siddha Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur's commentary on the second and third verses of the third chapter of the first canto uh, coming just before this. Uh, he kind of elaborates here in a way that I want to share with you uh, the exact correspondence between the Purusha avatars and the uh, Charter of uh, in a way that's uh, uh, gives us some some deeper understanding. So his the English translation of as presented uh, in his commentary on the Bhagavat Purana goes as follows After Garbardakshai Vishnu lay on the water and went into trance, Brahma, Lord of the universal creation, appeared from the lotus in the water of his navel. The expanse of planets is imagined to be situated in various places on his limbs. This form of the Lord is pure sattva unmixed with Rajas and Thomas and is composed of eternity, knowledge, and bliss. So the 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 verse itself we went over in, in the last discussion, but what I really thought was um, um, a little bit more um, comprehensive and worth, worth sharing was his commentary on these two verses. So Vishwanath Chakravarti, that course, says there, That Purusha entering into each universe, situated in his hair holes, lay down on the Garbodak water, which he created there, and went into a state of trance, yoga nidram, the planets from Patala to Satchaloka are imagined to be situation, situated at particular places on his limbs. This form of Padmanabha, Garbodakshai Vishnu, a portion of Prajumna, is a portion is Padmanabha, Garbodakshai Vishnu, a portion of Prajumna. So here Vishwanath is making it pretty clear that. What exactly is the relationship with between the Purusha manifestations and the of Yuha? Sankarsan, Pradumna, and Aniruda. The form mentioned in the previous chap- chapter from one to twenty-three refers to the third Purusha, Kashiro Daksai Vishnu, an expansion of Aniruda. So Vishwanas clear here. Uh, regarding the relationship of the various uh, Purusha avatars and the uh, various uh, expansions of the Lord as Va- Vasudev sankkarhan Prajumin and Aniruddha. and he go he goes into that a little bit more the first form Mahavishnu is the inner soul of prakriti the second form garbbardakshai is the inner soul of of the collective jivas in each universe. And the third form, kashiro Dakshai, is the inner soul of each jiva. So we're talking about the purushas and the inner soul of the whole material manifestation. And when we're speaking of prakriti here, we're talking about the material ingredients and the jiva souls that enter into the universe. So the inner soul, samasti, uh, we were talking about, uh, uh, what do we say, uh, metacosmic, microcosmic, Macro. macrocosmic, microcosmic. Different ways to look at the way the Purushas interact and their responsibilities we could say their responsibility their their fields of action in relationship to the material universe. So the Lord manifests himself as first of all Karna Dakshai Vishnu at the edge of the spiritual world and he impregnates into that energy of his, all the jivas, and that is the first, that's the Sankarshan manifestation of the Charter of Yuha. Then the various universes extend from his pores and then he enters into each universe. As Garbhodakshai Vishnu, the Prajumna manifestation, and then he enters into each individual jiva. So the Lord's permeating the material universe in every way. So the inner soul, he's the He's the basis upon all material action, from the great creation to the smallest of creations the universe of your body so i mean really these are different ways to look at material involvement in our material experience so we we have a we have we can conceive of the lord as the creator of everything and that creation is beyond our wildest imagination as far as its length and its breadth. I mean, we're talking about universes coming from the pores of this manifestation of the Lord. So it's inconceivable how great is the material manifestation. And then we try to conceive of, well, we're living in an environment, one universe, we can't even conceive of it from our vantage point now, but we can receive knowledge of it from scripture. So, it's a second. So, the soul of the the soul of everything is Karna, Dakshai Vishnu, the soul of one universe, and all the jivas combined. And we mentioned in the last class that this they're all contained in this stem, you know, as it's presented in the Bhagavatam, and that stem in and of itself is brighter than Millions of suns, because it's illuminated by all this spiritual energy, these fra- these these particles of the Supreme Lord together. Yeah, so it's, it's all the jiva shakti, but it's conceived of as one one entity at the very beginning, and then the differentiation comes. All the jivas are together, but then through the creative potency, the second creation, first you have the first creation, Sarga, from this Sarga, Brahma is charged, along with all of his different associates, which come from him, with providing individual habitats for the Jivas. So first there's the great habitat for everything that's not in the in the spiritual realm. Then there's a uh, smaller habitat, one universe. We can't even conceive of the one universe. And then there's a smaller universe, and that's where we live. It's a body, and we can't even conceive of it, what's going on in it. A lot of things, even in our own body, you know, we're processing oxygen, you know, blood's being created, I mean, so many systems in the body for maintaining the body, the nervous system, the muscle system, the, the bone system. We can't even conceive of how we can conceive another body within our body if we have a female body. We don't know how that's happening. A little body starting in us we have you know we are then we're creating another body, and we don't even know how that's going on, but it's happening within our body, so that's the idea that is trying to convey here all of this is permeated by this Purusha manifestation of the Lord, this creator, and this creator is at every level he's at the biggest level that to make all the He's in every universe as the creator again, and then he's within your body as Karnadakshai Vishnu, and he's managing things there. So how inconceivable is that when we can't even conceive of what's happening to allow us to exist from one moment to the next within our own body? the yogis they they work very hard to master their one body and how much effort they put into just controlling their breath how long does it take just to gain mastery over your breathing they can do it but how long how much energy and then once these once taking up that discipline as a yogi, amazed, wonderful, inconceivable, you start controlling your one universe, the possibilities seem endless. I can go to any place in the other universe I want, on the, on the on air currents, I can become smaller in the smallest. I become greater in the greatest. I can, you know, I can, what? All these eight mystic opulences. Just from controlling my one little body, I can gain that much mastery and and start, <laughs> It's so just imagine, just to imagine, just from taking up this discipline of Astanga Yoga, how much, Power is there in one body. If you can control the the body, and then from the body gain mastery over the prana, the energy within your own body, then what's available to you? So you have this. This is giving us some indication of of how much latent shakti of the Lords permeates on the gigantic level down to the smallest level, and even within the smallest level, inconceivable. And then you have the material scientists taking the ingredients of the material manifestation, the material ingredients, and fiddling around with those and when they fiddle around with them in a certain way, they can blow up the whole planet with their, you know, they, they learn just, the, who knows how they do it. They, they, they tap into some kind of nuclear energy that's latent within every particle of the material manifestation. This is the first so this is the first Purusha manifestations of the Supreme Lord. This is this is this is the this is the first first thing that we can relate to, and this is where the Bhagavatam begins for us. Conceive of God by understanding how He permeates everything through these Purusha avatars. And if that that gives you some insight, and until you've developed the fine discrimination to look at the Lord spiritually, then look at what you're accustomed to and conceive of Everything in relationship to this infinite, energetic source personality. You see the 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 all the plant life and vegetation. You see these are the hairs on his body, and the eye, the sun is his eyes, and the the moon, and all these different ways are even presented in the Bhagavat Purana of conceiving of the Lord as manifest in everything great and energetic and amazing and beautiful and within a material within the material universe. That gives you some idea of what it means when we say God. And And this is a tool only. This is not the Lord. This is just to get you started in your thinking of the Lord. This is for the neophyte yogi. Think like this. Be amazed. Your amazement will never should never end. If we could ju- if you can just begin thinking in this way, everything that I don't even know about my body, everything that's available through yogic cities, everything that I see around me, everything that I see in the night sky. Everything that I, you know, that the environment throws at the at, the, at me, as far as the energies, it just it's it gets us thinking, <laughs> and that's what um, Sutta Goswami. That's the way he's responding to these inquiries by the sages to get them thinking in that direction, start turning their consciousness towards God. And now he's answering this fifth or sixth question, fifth question, I believe, by pointing out, all right, this is how God enters the universe. So first he talks about the Purushas, and now we're going to proceed, and different manifestations of the Lord are going to be going I mean, he comes unlimitedly, but uh, Sutta Goswami is going to highlight a few uh, for his audience. So, the inner soul of Prakriti, the inner soul of the collected Jivas, and the inner soul of the individual Jivas Karna Dakshai, Garba and Kashira Dakshai Vishnu. The three, Vishwanath continues. The three acting as inner souls are expansions of Sankarchan, Prajumna, and Aniruddha. It is said, and then he quotes a verse, Vishwanath does, uh, from the Satvata Tantra. The first is the creator of Mahatattva. The second form is situated in the universe. The third form is situated in all living entities. One who knows these forms is liberated this is the order of the of the activities of Vishnu related to this topic when he developed the desire to lie down again in a particular place he lay down in the karna ocean he then glanced at his energy prakriti as soon as it came out with his breathing by that glance making his intention known accomplished accomplishedling Merely by the power of his desire, he produced the Mahatatva and other elements spontaneously. And after creating the universe out of the elements, Garbhodaksha Vishnu, master of the universe, was informed, O master, enter it and go to sleep. Uh, Entering the universe, Garbhodaksha went to sleep for a second. A second. That's an interesting point that Vishwanath brings out. Then again, Garbhodakshaya is made to sleep in a new universe for the lifetime of Brahma. It is said in the third canto, The duration of the two parts of Brahma's life, as above mentioned, is calculated to be equal to one nemisha, less than a second of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, who is unchanging and unlimited and is the cause of all causes of the universe. Again, the magnitude of the whole material, a whole material universe's duration, a lifetime of Brahma, is less than a second in respect to the supreme, is the, the points being made. You can't calculate this. He goes into a universe and falls asleep for, asleep for a moment. Well, not even a n- moment. Brahma's whole life is, is not even equal to his moment, is the point. You can't calculate how small an insignificant material existence is in relationship to the existence of the Supreme Lord. That's the point being made. Brahma's whole life adds up to nothing in the time scheme of the Supreme. It's it's here and it's gone before you can even imagine it existing in the first place. These forms are all spiritual. This form is pure sattva, devoid of Rajas and Thomas. Visudam, sattvam, an excellent. Orjitam. So, again, orjitam here was glossed by Jiva Goswami to signify an the ananda shakti of the lord that truly it is the ananda shakti the blissfulness of the lord that allows him to to breathe out this all happens all the universes are coming he's entering into a universe laying down for not even a moment and then it's all coming back into the Karnadak Vishnu, and you notice that the different acharyas explain evolution of the universe. We've gone over it a few times, and we've seen it presented in different ways by different acharyas. So we should keep that in mind that these are. This is just trying to give us some insight to it. So even now, hearing tonight from from Vishwanath's commentary just the time factor involved. It gives us a little bit more insight into how it's all happening. But the Acharyas are going to present this differently in different circumstances. And again, we shouldn't become neurotic about what's that and this and how that happened and where this, you know. We get a general idea. We get a general idea of like, Sankhya philosophy, the whole Sankhya philosophy is presented to give us an idea of the evolution from one homogeneous outpouring of energy from the Lord, which we may call Pradhan or we may call, you know, uh, the Mahat, and then it becomes individualized into elements and both subtle and gross, so we have the five gross elements, and then we have the, the senses, the ten senses, and the mind, and then the objects of the senses, the tongue, matras, you know, five of those. So we come up with 24 elements, but not everybody counts them that way. They count them differently. It's just to give us a conception of there's a lot going on here, and it's all coming about So, yeah, we could read again Vishwanas uh, exactly how he's talking about this evolution, but it's it's just a different perspective. And we've touched on the high points of that perspective uh, as he presents them in his commentary. But he doesn't, he as opposed to Jiva, when he when he in his commentary he says, an excellent Urjitam, completely spiritual, made of eternity, knowledge, and bliss. This form of the Lord is has no tinge of materiality. And where Jiva took the word and said this bliss Shakti of the Lord is the primary Shakti for the manifestations that come forth from the Purusha aspect of the Supreme. Uh, Vishwanath is more say, is, is saying in this particular commentary that it's Visdhisattva. It's pure goodness with not a tinge of Rajas or Thomas. Jiva goes on to bring out the fact that being able to conceive of or see this form of the Lord, the seeing has to be through the intellectual and fine discrimination of Scripture. Of course, you could also be given a spiritual vision, but that spiritual vision of these thousands of arms and hands and is overwhelming to the extent that for someone, the sadhika, aspiring to bhakti, they may want for others' benefits to be able to present this idea of the purusha aspect or the varat rupa, the Lord being throughout the universe, just to prove the, the existence of God and to exemplify His glories, as far as his unlimited energies. But this is, first of all, a form that scripture presents as a tool for the neophyte. And for the true it's it interferes with their bhakti. So for the most part, like Arjuna on the battlefield, one would say, show us your universal form I've seen enough. <laughs> as quick as you could imagine all, everything that the Lord could show as far as his unlimited energies, he could display that to you. That display in and of itself would be so overwhelming that you would rather go back. Could you just go back to your normal form that I worship my dear Dave. Jeeva Goswami writes here in his fifth Anucheta, in this regard... In order to clearly describe Sri Bhagavan, Sri Sutta discloses the characteristics of the second Purusha, situated in the Garbhodak ocean, as being the source of the innumerable avatars. And then he quotes the fifth verse of the third chapter. This form of the Purusha, Garbhodakshai Vishnu, is the repository and imperishable seed of innumerable avatars. It is by a portion of his portion that the devas, human beings, and lower forms of life are all brought forth. This form, the pronoun itat, this refers to the form of the Purusha sitting within the universe, Brahmanda, Garbhodakshay Vishtu. The word Nidanam, repository, means the eternal shelter, as the ocean is of all smaller bodies of water therefore he is the imperishable avyayam seed bijam meaning the inexhaustible abode of origination he is the seed not only of the avatars but also of the living beings as stated in the second half of the verse and then we come to a few things in this commentary which are worth going over Sachin Narayan Das writes, The second Purusha is the source of various types of avatars. The definition of an avatar is given by Sri Rupa Goswami. Then he quotes from the Lagu Bhagavata Lagu Bhagavata of uh, Sri Rupa Goswami. Uh, the Lagu Bhagavatamrita basically gives uh, an elaborate description of all the different avataric descents. Well, not all of them because we could not speak of them all, they're unlimited, but of, of the avataric, of some of the avataric descents of the Supreme Lord. So Rupa Goswami writes there when the above mentioned forms of Bhagavan appear as if without precedent, as if they come of their own volition, there's nothing to, to force them to come, for the sake of cosmic operations. Yada Yadahidharmashya Glani or Bhavati Bharata. Whenever and wherever there's a decline of religious principles I come again and again. Sometime there is precedent. Bhumi will walk to the to Brahma and say, I can't take it anymore. Get these demoniac kings off of my planet. <laughs> or even now we could imagine Bhumi making some appeal but then again it's what what's happening now environmentally she can handle that probably internally with her own energies just requires a a repurposing of of the energy maybe some reassignment of the bodies for some time maybe a few of them can go extinct and then come back later however she chooses to deal with that but we can conceive of it. The burden of the earth is felt by M- Mother Earth, and and she makes an appeal to, if she can't deal with it herself, goes to Brahma. I need help. Brahma says, "Yeah, that's a lot. I mean, let's let's take this up. Let's take this up the chain of command. Let's go to another higher level of management." So for the for the sake of cosmic operations. Rupa Goswami writes here. These avatars come for the sake of cosmic operations, either directly or through a medium. They are called avatars. Previous to this definition, Sri Rupa writes that Sri Krishna, the original form of Bhagavan, exists in three forms in the spiritual abodes. Okay, so... The forms are now discussed a little bit in detail. These three forms are called Swayam Rupa, Tad, Ekatma Rupa, and Avesh. Three different forms of the Supreme Lord. Tad what? Ekatma Rupa. Swayam Rupa is Krishna Himself. Tad, Ekatma Rupa forms are different in appearance from Krishna although non-different from him in their essential being. Swarup. These are further divided into two. So these expansions of the Lord which are themselves the Lord have two divisions. Vilas and Swamsa. The Velas forms are almost as powerful as Krishna. And the Swamsa forms are a little less powerful. So this is in the category of Tad-Ekatma-Rupa. Two subdivisions, ones that are almost as powerful and ones that have the same amount of power. Vilas and Swamsa. The lost forms have the almost the same power. No one's as powerful as Krishna. Right. Even Balaram has to lean on Krishna. We can see in the picture. <laughs> Although Krishna and Balaram are the same personality of Godhead, except in different colors, still Balaram leans on Krishna. So here's the examples that are given. Vasudev And matchas are examples of these two categories, respectively. And matcha would be an example of the swamza form with a little less power. Matcha? Avesh forms refers to Bhagavan's pervasion of specific, highly enlightened jivas with some particular aspect of his potency. Examples of this type are Narda, who is empowered with the Bhakti potency, and the Kamars, who are infused with the Gyan potency. These three forms exist in the spiritual abodes, and they are indicated in the above verse by the phrase, the above-mentioned forms. In Lagu Bhagavatamrita, The adverbial phrase for the sake of cosmic operations can mean either for the manifestation, manifesting the universes, as affected by Mahavishnu, or for some function within the universe, such as uprooting the unrighteous or blessing a devotee. Appearing directly, Swayam, means to manifest without taking birth from parents as in the case of Matya or Varaha, appearing through a medium, Durantarena, means to take birth through parents, as in the case of Rama and Krishna. These avatars are further classified as as of three types, namely Purusha avatars, Guna avatars, and Leela avatars. The avatars of Bhagavan are usually of the Swamsa and Avesh varieties, summarized from Lagu Bhagavatamrita 1, 2, 3 through 5. So the commentary is basically an amalgamation of these three verses of Srila Rupa Goswami from the Lagu Bhagavatamrita. In the third chapter of the first canto, Sutta Goswami gives a list of prominent avatars to establish the identity of the original form of Bhagavan. In the verse under discussion, he says that the avatars appear from the Purusha and then return back into him. It is for this reason that the Purusha is designated both as the source, Bij, and the resting place, Nirdana, of the avatars. This is stated as such because an avatar descends for the sake of universal operations, and the Purusha is the originator as well as the sustainer of the universe. So the next section of Anuchetas, six to twenty-seven, present as presented in the third canto. I'm sorry, third chapter of the first canto the various avatars, and uh, speaks of their various qualities and functions. And we will begin with that in our next class with the Kamaras. Understand that the uh, way that the avatars are presented in the Bhagavat Purana, as they were presented to the sages by Sutta Goswami, response to their question are not chronologically presented. So there's although we're going to hear of all the various avatars that Sutta spoke of, his presentation is not chronological and neither will be the presentation of uh, Jiva Goswami here. Any questions? All right. I thank you so much for your association. Mm -hmm.